0: Welcome to another Sunday session the podcast. As we sit here, the dust is just starting to settle on an entertaining round date of NRL. My name is Chris Kennedy. Co host Kenny Scott is with me as always, and a special guest this week. It's my great pleasure to introduce Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. Mary, the shoe is on the other foot. I've been on your podcast a few times, but it's very nice to welcome you to uh, to one of ours.
1: Chris, thank you so much for having me. And in fact, I want to thank you because you and I are both Parramatta supporters and Parramatta have had a good win this weekend. If I recall, I actually invited you onto the podcast back in 2018 after I think it was round three where Parramatta had been absolutely thrashed by Manly. So appreciate you having me <laughs> on in a good week.
0: I sadly remember that week well. Kenny, as always, thanks for being here. Sorry about your no, tigers. It's, okay, it's just wrong, is <laughs>
2: This is the first week you've actually referred to me as a co-host. So um, I don't know if that means I've I've moved up a level in your books or if I'm about to share the blame for something on Monday.
0: Oh, really? Um, What do I usually say? Work experience lad or something? (laughs) I
2: don't know. You're just going with me as this guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's get cracking on some games. Uh, We'll start off with Sunday evening, the Bunnies and the Bulldogs. Probably not the match of the round. Um, Bunnies, I wouldn't say convincing, but they did enough. Uh, Mary Kay, I assume you were glued to the TV as I was for this one.
1: Absolutely glued, CK. I couldn't get away from it. I'm watching this game, I just feel so, so sorry for the Bulldogs because I felt like they had many opportunities and they got close a couple of times. They were really in this game, Mm. but silly errors and just they lacked that final 10% of polish to be able to compete with, I guess, all the other sides in the NRL.
0: Yeah, well alone on the foot of the ladder now. Kenny, what were your thoughts on this one?
2: Oh, same thing. Like you can't, you you can never fault the dogs for effort. That's the one thing I can really respect for them is they just, they always show up. They never, ever fade away. It doesn't matter how, um how far ahead the other team is or, you know, how outskilled they are, because we've, like we've said before, they just don't have the, the, the same level of squad as almost all other teams in the league, but they just don't stop. So, We can chalk this one up as another valiant loss for the Bulldogs. Um, You know, losses, valiant losses aren't really the same as um, embarrassing, aren't really much different from embarrassing losses in terms of position on the ladder. But it's, you know, it's a quote-unquote rebuilding phase for them. So this is just Mm -hmm. to chalk this one up to experience and hopefully they'll get better next year.
0: I do like trying to find positives. One for me was um, when, unfortunately, for the Bulldogs, Dane Gagai galloped away with that intercept try. At the end, there were three Bulldogs valiantly chasing after him. So they were even in the 80th minute with the game well and truly lost, they were still putting in. I thought Brandon Wakeham had some nice touches, a nice little try assist when they were coming back into the game. So some good stuff there. What do we think about the Bunnies? Because um, some people sort of had them as premiership contenders. Some people had them preseason as dropping out of the eight. It was sort of all sorts of opinions on how they'd go on, how Latrell would go at fullback. We saw him have sort of three significantly improving games, then a, a poor game last week, and then... Not a bad game, but I guess a more quiet game this week, uh, Mary.
1: I wonder whether something is going on with Luttrell behind the scenes. I mean, he's made a really significant positional change this year, and I think he is improving slowly over time. And I think that anyone that expected him to be a star fullback from week one was kidding themselves. I think, similar to a position in the halves, it takes some time to master that position. But when I mean, we saw him in tears a couple of weeks ago, and I don't really want to discuss the controversy around Wayne Bennett and why he was crying but potentially there is something going on behind the scenes with him and South have been good but I don't see them threatening They're kind of like a paramount from last year I think they're sort of sitting there maybe fifth maybe eighth but don't have sort of the power to contend with the top four teams I think at the moment.
0: Yeah, definitely. I probably need some improvement to be a premiership contender the way they're going. Moving ahead to the earlier Sunday game, the Sea Eagles and the Knights. Um, it was certainly gripping. It was tense. It was very fiery right at the end. So we had a, a player sent off after full time, which I'm pretty sure I've never seen before in all my time watching rugby league. Kenny, what were your takeouts from this one?
2: Well, this is. I thought I th- I th- this was kind of similar to the um, the Manly game we had. I think it was against Canberra a couple of weeks ago, where they just it, it wasn't spectacular in in, in terms of um, you know it wasn't explosive, um, but it was gripping. Like you said, like it was like a, a gripping political thriller. I think we did we we described it at the time, I and mean, this was similar. Um, had uh, yeah some pretty gritty play. Um, I thought Newcastle pretty lucky to get away with this one. I don't know. Um, yeah, towards the end it got really weird, didn't it? Um, with controversial calls, and as you said, players sent off after the siren. I think that's probably the most uh, the most interesting aspect of this one. Um, yeah, those last five, the last five minutes of of play, and the first thirty seconds after play.
0: Yeah, we. Um... Saw so, so the incident you're referring to. I think it was um, Tavita Funa possibly in space down the right edge, kicked ahead Bradman Best, I think it was, shoved him in the back almost simultaneously. Um, was never going to be a try with all the Newcastle defenders in there, but was sent up as a potential either penalty try or potential penalty and came back down. That it was, uh, it was neither and it was play on. I think the ruling might have been that was either close to simultaneous or that Vest wouldn't have seen the kick when he um, when he shoved the winger. But the, the fallout was all the Manly players swarming towards the on-field referee and, you know, remonstrating with him. He sent them away. Um, Adam Fennel Blake used a term that I'm not going to repeat on the podcast that resulted in being sent off. After full-time, Des Hasler apparently marched nor Blake to the referee's office after full-time and made him apologise. Um, possibly aware of the uh, fallout that may be heading his way. Could be a chance of a little bit of a holiday for Adam Anyway, the, uh, the end result was the Knights won despite an, an avalanche of injuries. They lost Edric Lee in the first few minutes. Um, potentially broken wrist. I think we're still waiting on uh, what they think that has actually happened to him. Um, Sione Mataudia, unfortunately, uh, more head knocks um, for him. He's had a few concussions in the past. He went off just before full-time and then an HIA for Kaelin Ponga. So they were down to one on the bench at the end, Mary. Certainly, um, maybe not convincing in attack the Knights, but absolutely gutsy in defence.
1: They certainly were gutsy in defence. And I think both teams had an outstanding completion rate in this game. I think it was at 88% for both teams. It was a very intense game. I think the reality for Manly at the moment is they're missing Walker and they're also missing Tom Traboevich. And we know the attacking prowess of those two players. So if you want to shut Manly down, you've really only got to shut down Dale Cherry Edwards and most of their attack goes out the window. So I feel for them in that respect. Um, but the Knights were certainly very good in defence. And sometimes you take a lot from those victories, you know. They were on on edge for the last 10 minutes. They had to defend a lot. They had a lot of silly errors. You mentioned the Caleb Honger injury. He also was having a shocking game anyway and couldn't catch the ball. So... I think they'll take a lot out of that, and there's some an opportunity to learn for
0: the Knights. It's a big game in terms of ladder positions, the Knights. It pushes them up to fourth and drops Manly out of the eight. So it could have been very different if the two points went the other way. Uh, moving back into Saturday football, Kenny, I'll start with you um, as a as a frustrated fan. Another one of those uh, valiant kind of tried hard and almost got the win, but didn't quite get the result in the end games that you seem to be getting a little bit too yeah, used to.
2: This game was, it was weird for me. This is my first, I went to this game. This is my first game of 2020. So I didn't go to rounds one and two. I haven't been to any, you know, I don't get, uh, you know, um, exclusive media access like some other people. Um, (laughs) So I had to turn up like a punter as soon as they let me in. um, And it was one, it was just, it was so good to be back, but it was, it was weird because um, it was, you guys would know because you would have been to games. It, it's really quiet because there was like five thousand yeah. people there, so you could hear everything. Like you could hear all the impacts, but more importantly, because you're at Bankwest, you're so close to the, to the ground, to the um, field, you could hear all the all the talk. It was it was just I had not experienced game, um, a game, an NRL level game with that kind of uh, intimacy before. But um, aside from that, look, I, I was there's plenty of plenty of positives you can take away as a Tigers fan from this one. They were like they were tough. They were really gritty. Um, the, it was a real fiery clash. There was a bit of a, a bit of heat in it. Um, I think there was some like classic, you know, professional level agitation from both sides. I thought Josh Reynolds was really like he was really in the face of a lot of people. And unfortunately, when it comes to agitators, we've just got one who who can't agitate without taking action, and that's you know big old BJ. He really. Uh, He really muffed this one up in terms of, you know, back end of the game, silly penalties. Mm. And, like, there was... It doesn't sit squarely on his shoulders. I think um, the the late try to Aki Korosau just through some tired defence was obviously what really lost us the game. But his his behaviour towards the end was just, I'm going to say, inexcusable. He really needs to... um, I mean, he's going to take a seat on the sideline for a while anyway for that that, um, off-the-ball shot. But he really needs... He really needs to do something because the Tigers are not a team that can afford to have a guy that, that does that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, he copped, um, uh, Luciano Leilua, his brother, copped a, an accidental swinging arm from Api Sauer, was laid out for a while. Obviously, Joey Leilua you know, distressed and worried for his brother, which I think we all understand. But then uh, a swinging arm of his own on the Penrith fullback who had nothing to do with it is certainly not the way to go about it. He's facing four to six weeks on the sideline. Mary, what were your thoughts watching all this unfold?
1: I even felt a little bit sorry for Appy Coruscant after that incident happened because you saw him going yeah. up to Luke to try and apologise. And I can understand that Joey was obviously not in a good mindset. You saw him pushing away and wanting to start a bit of push and shove. I mean, mm. rugby league is a contact sport and these things happen. So, yeah, another little bit of a brain snap. What I want to hear your thoughts on CK <laughs> is Nathan, not Nathan Cleary, sorry, Ivan Cleary and the kiss was towards the end. that... That infuriated me. uh, I was going to ask you the same
0: thing. Yeah. So I mean, I I liked it as a neutral spectator slash media reporter because I like a bit of personality. I like a, a feud, and this Ivan Cleary versus the Tigers feud is certainly something that keeps us all sort of going. It pumps oxygen into the game, so I like it from that sense. If I as a fan saw my coach behaving like that, I don't think I would care for it as much.
1: I feel like it would almost be like for the eels in the post Ricky Stewart era. Like if Ricky Stewart did that to Parramatta Eels fans, yeah. I would be rage. Absolutely raged.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what if yeah, you so what, we'll what if you're me. the Penrith fan? I guess, or Kenny, you're you're a Tigers fan. What were your thoughts watching? Yeah,
2: as a, as someone who has like I do have very specific thoughts about what Ivan Cleary did to the Tigers, but I don't, like that's you know that's for me to take to my grave, I suppose. And <laughs> they're pretty common <laughs> with most other Tigers fans on Twitter. Um, but I thought like it, one thing I love about the NRL and, and rugby league is, is like, it's like it 's drama and the soap opera in between the games, and I thought that was an excellent piece of theater and a piece of drama. Yeah. But when you look at it through a like a professional lens, you know, really a, a coach, if a player does that, you know, I guess that's, you know, the emotion and you sort of want your players to have an edge of character. But a coach probably shouldn't do that. But in terms of outrage, I don't think there should be any outrage about it. I'm quite sure he regrets doing it. But at the time, I was like, oh, yeah. that's
1: spicy. Give me it's more. spicy, huh? Yeah.
0: <laughs> He was very sheepish um, Even as early as the press conference after the mm-hmm. game When he was asked about it, you could tell he was a little bit Embarrassed, so um, yeah I think, he's
1: ever showed, isn't it? I
0: know, well we're not used to it from Ivan, he's so Deadpan usually, I think that's why I sort of Liked it, he's actually showing a bit, but um, Yeah, I think the outrage is maybe over the top um, Anyway, we talk about this game All weekend, there was so much going on, but we have to move on Just before I do, the Delhi M-Boats We've got for the, um, we don't know for the Sunday game But for the other games we do, so this was Three points went to Appi Coruscant, which um, I thought uh, had to happen. He was absolutely tremendous, probably by the season for mine. He was absolutely everywhere. Um, Jerome Luai got the two. I thought it was possibly his best game in first grade. He was um, really, really nice. And uh, Harry Grant uh, for the Tigers, who's been outstanding since joining the club, he got the the one point. So um, there's the delimberts from that game. The previous game on Saturday, the Warriors 26, the Broncos 16. There's been so much talk about what's wrong with Brisbane. I know we have to talk about Brisbane, but can we just please, for a minute, talk about the Warriors and this gutsy win that they've had? Mary, I'll start with you. They're over here. They're away from their families. Three wins now since the resumption. Uh, let's go on. I was
1: thrilled for Todd Payton. I mean, he has come into coach a team at a really difficult time. And I think many of us were surprised at the sacking of Stephen Kearney. So to see them get the win, I thought it was wonderful. And the way they behaved after the game as well. We saw the Brisbane players very upset. We saw a lot of the Warriors consoling them. I thought it was really classy from them. Absolutely. Kenny?
2: I don't know why everybody's acting so surprised. This, after what Todd Payton said in the press conference of the last game, basically saying, being, away from being being stuck away from home is no excuse. And in fact, it should be your reason for doing really well. They were like guaranteed, like shoe in No way the Warriors were going to lose that game. The only thing that could have upset, that could have gotten away of that was the fact that the Broncos were also in a pretty awful state. And eventually somebody has to bounce back. But yeah, I thought this was a really uh, a, a gutsy and much deserved win to the Warriors. Um, I thought there was plenty of points in that game where a classic Warriors team would have sort of just shut up shop and, and faded away. But they didn't. Like they, they were... Um, trailing for fair chunks of the game and the Warriors are notoriously not that great at being behind um, and they really showed some determination to get in front and get the win so uh, well done to them I hope they keep going um, and wouldn't it just be wonderful to see a Warriors team surprise in the finals in 2020? It can happen
1: I know they got thrashed last week but I was going to say I didn't think the Warriors were that bad against the Storm. I think their execution was lacking and that's why I tipped them this week because I didn't think they were that bad
0: I was the same yeah I was at that game Um, And I tipped them this week as well. I was in that press conference that Todd Payton was giving those comments in and they were... Easily the better team for the first 15 minutes, because they almost had two tries. They didn't quite get over the line. At carmax a 70-metre line break. Storm score, the heads drop, and then second half was a, a bit of a procession. But there were still some good signs. And um, up against a, a Brisbane side that's been really woeful and lost five in a row, I gave them every chance and um, certainly proved to be. It was almost a, a scoreline that flattered Brisbane. They had a 100-metre intercept try of their own. They are almost lucky to be as close as they were. But... Mary, what do you make of the, the Broncos? The, you know, Paul White's come out again and ins- assured that Anthony Seabold is, is safe for now. We've seen you know, players very emotional at the end, like you touched on, Alex Glenn, the captain, who I'm a huge fan of as a, a bloke and a player in tears, which I never like. You know To see that sort of thing, I'm not seeing a team that isn't trying, but they just don't seem to know what they're trying to do.
1: See, can I see a lot of anger from Brisbane Broncos fans towards the coach, and I can completely understand that. But if I were a fan, my anger and my questions would more be going towards management. It still absolutely baffles me that the decision was made to sign a coach for five years that it had one good year at South. And I'm not saying Anthony Seymour's a bad coach, but so much happens in five years in rugby league. To take a risk like that, I just think, Negligence is a big word, so I won't use it, but I think it was a mistake. And now if the Broncos want to make a change, it's going to be really expensive for them. And given the impacts of COVID-19, I just don't think that that's a risk that they can take.
0: Yeah, it's been a struggle. They've got, I think, the Bulldogs next week. So they've they've lost to the Titans. They've lost to the Warriors. If they can't beat the Bulldogs, then um, they really will be uh, alone at the bottom of the um, the ladder. So tough times ahead for Brisbane at the moment. Moving ahead, actually, before we move ahead, the Delhi M boats um, for this one. Three points actually went to Ken Momalo, which I wouldn't have expected. He was extremely good. Um, had some big plays. Um, I thought, for me, probably Blake Green deserved them. He got the two points, though. Fantastic, particularly in that final 20 minutes, just grinding down the win and controlling the game perfectly, set up a try. and You know, I think a 40-20 in there, really, really handy. And then uh, Torhu Harris, the one point, he's been absolutely magnificent since the resumption, playing in the middle, churning out some massive, massive numbers. Um, the early Saturday game, the Titans and the Sharks, um, Kenny Titans probably should have been up at half time, but just completely collapsed in the second half.
2: Yeah, it was, it was a funny one, right? Like, I, I a lot of the time, um, since resumption, whenever we speak about the Titans, we tend to talk about, well, they, uh, they're usually are quite poor in the first half and then have a decent second half. So, like, we always say, oh, they drew the second half or they won the second half, so they can take something out of that. They completely bottled the first half in this one and you need to, like, sorry, bottled the second half in this one um, so, you knew it was, um, yeah, obviously it wasn't a particularly good show for them. But I was really proud of Corey Thompson. I thought he had a brilliant game. Um, a couple of chances, he he didn't quite convert. But he was just like, I don't know, he was in everything. He had a lot of energy. I think he brings a lot of energy and enthusiasm to that side. And um, at times when enthusiasm might be lacking. Uh, in terms of the Sharks, it was like you know, the, old, the old guard of Townsend, um, Fafita and... Um,
0: Short Johnson. Wait, Graham.
2: Sorry, (laughs) come. What is that? All, all played like just the your standard Cronulla um top like top performers did well and and, you know and it it showed. Mm.
0: Mary.
1: Good to see the Sharks get their third win in a row. I think that's the first time they've won three in a row since the back end of 2018. But I'm a bit worried because Matt Moreland got injured in this game Mm. and he has been really good for them. I think in the last three weeks, so I think that's a bit concern going forward.
0: It's just been so disruptive. It's what his 11th hamstring layoff in, in three years. He's just been in and out of the team. He's played, you know, he's back off the bench, played a game in the halves. Um, I wonder if they just kind of need to settle on a, a team that doesn't have him in it, or maybe just uh, instead of putting so much running into him, just say, like, we're just going to deal with him being the 14. He can come on in the halves. He can play a bit of loose middle. He can sub in the backs if we get an injury and we'll play him for 20, 30 minutes a week and just not overstretch his uh, his hamstrings. It's just not up to it at the moment. But yeah, otherwise, as you say, three in a row, they're inside the top eight now. I think a few weeks ago, we are tipping them as being a team that wouldn't push for the finals. But uh, inside the eight, a few of their forwards were really good. Um, teams coming together a little bit. Um M-Boats in this one, Sean Johnson, who for me has been actually... I thought he was going okay when they were losing, but uh, he's been fantastic since they've been winning. Uh, he got the three points. He really seems on top of his game at the moment. Um, and the two big men, Braden Hamlin, Ueli, and Andrew Fafita, both made a big impact in the middle. Braden with the two and Andrew with the one. Uh, Deli M points. Now, we're going to go through to Friday night, a game that I was at. Um, Mary, I know you were either there or watching very, very closely on TV and enjoying every second of it. Talk us through your experience of Friday night.
1: This is going to be what we're going to talk about for the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Uh, CK, as a Parramatta fan, absolutely thrilled. And I think the main reason I was so happy is because Parramatta teams in the past have had a habit of aiming up against teams above us on the ladder and then dropping games that we should win. So to see Parramatta come out and really make a statement against the Cowboys, I thought was great. And I was also really pleased to see Brad Arthur experiment a little bit with the bench in the last 15 minutes of the first half. We saw David Gower come on. Things started getting a little bit scrappy, we saw the Cowboys going for their try, uh, not too um, close before half time. But then it seemed like Brad Arthur had a talking to those guys and they came on and looked really fresh in the second half. So it helps the Eels, I think, going forward in terms of their depth. And also, back
0: to Clint Gutherson on his 100th game. The yes, so, so good. So much to unpack there. let start with um, Brad Arthur. So, he gave uh, Daniel Ovaro a run last week, David Gower in this week. He's sort of rotating through his forwards. There's no reserve grade at the moment, making sure everyone gets some minutes. You know, subbing Michael Jennings off for Brad Takarangi when the, the game was sealed up. Is that just an alpha play, being able to just change your team around and, and sort of, you know, not worry about the opposition?
1: It sure is. Um, I simply remember Brian Smith doing similar things in the lead-up um, in the 2001 Grand Final. Didn't go too well, but um, yeah, it is an alpha move, and I think it's really positive. We're not going to have the buys this year. It's a much shorter season. We don't know what's going to happen with injuries. So when the opportunity arises to experiment a little bit, I think it's a really good idea to take that opportunity.
0: The fact that Mitch Moses is out for a couple of weeks with a calf injury, we weren't sure if, you know, maybe Brad Takarangi is going to be five-eighth with Dylan Brown stepping into the seven role. Maybe the, the veteran, Will Smith, comes in and, and plugs away in the halves. Maybe Jordan Rankin, who's also quite experienced, the new boy, comes in. But no, no, the, the guy with the jet heels, the former dragon, Jay Field, comes on and um, busted a million tackles and burned his way to a, a try in the corner. He must have enjoyed the club debut for young Jay Field as well.
1: I sure did. I mean, I was a little bit concerned because his first kick of the game wasn't a good one. He was put under tremendous pressure.
0: A lot of pressure, yeah.
1: Oh my goodness me. But I thought he performed really well and it was great to see him get a try on debut. And I think it's a good opportunity to test him in these next couple of weeks and maybe he's a player that can come off the bench towards the back end of the season.
0: I wanted to ask you, because you're obviously as big of a Parramatta fan as I know. Now, we interviewed Clint Gutherson after the game, um, and he was reflecting on his 100-game journey, and he said, when I first came here to Parramatta, everyone hated me. I was playing on the wing and playing some bad footy. What do you remember? What were your first impressions of Clint Gutherson as an eel?
1: Okay, I'm going to claim a lot of the credit for this. I don't think Clint will feel the same way, but he used to play on the wing in front of my bag at Parramatta Stadium. And I'm very protective of all the eels players. So if I see someone getting picked on, I really rally around them. So I started cheering for Ducko and I feel like everyone in my base started cheering ironically for him. And he's become this cult hero. It's, it's so good, CK. I mean, he's been in first grade—is it seven years or nine years? I mean, it's this is seven. eighth season,
0: so seven years it's and a bit.
1: Yeah. That long to get to 100 games, and to see him playing such great footy, to have such a good head of hair. On his head at the moment <laughs> good and is it I'm going?
0: Sure <laughs> kenny sorry i've left you out of the uh the Parramatta love in but feel free to dive in there's plenty more <laughs> no, to talk about there's the no, the sevo chant I, the dylan brown form i, I, what you I got? genuinely
2: have uh, a question uh for you mary in that um Parramatta right they're they're top of the table we're almost halfway through the season, so this is not a fluke, and we know that Parramatta. I'm not going to say are the real deal and a guarantee or anything, but we know this is going to be a successful season for Parramatta. And now, look, <laughs> and now there's the weight of expectation as a fan who's seen it all: multiple consecutive wooden spoons, dud seasons, poor recruitment, salary cap scandals, the whole everything that Parramatta's gone through. How are you handling this situation? How do
1: you feel? Ken, whatever anyone says things like you've just said to me, I just ignore them and pretend that they haven't said them. I'm still, I'm still freaking out. Look, I feel like the the game against the Roosters was a really good sign because usually Parramatta is not competitive in those games, so to see them compete as well as they did gave me a little bit more hope, but the reality is that unless Parramatta are up 30 in a game, I do not feel comfortable. So I'm never going to feel comfortable, Kenny. But I'm really pleased with what I'm saying. So, Kay, do you
0: get it? Spoken like a true Parramatta fan. Yeah, I've been asked similar questions recently, and I basically say until they can beat Storms and Roosters and those sorts of teams in a big uh, game, they're probably not entitled to be, you know, premiership favourites or or real deal status. But there's certainly, uh, for me, the best sign in all of that was the start of the Cowboys game the, the Cowboys had a big defensive set, put all that pressure you mentioned on Jay Field, wobbly kick, started a field in good possession. I think they got a couple of six again calls or penalties. Ended up being four straight sets on the Eels line. Eels turn them away, turn away, turn away, went down the other end and scored. Now that's 2019 Roosters behaviour right there. That's that's what good teams do, is they suck up all the pressure on their own line, go down the other end and score. So it was only the Cowboys, but good signs ahead. We haven't even talked about the Cowboys. Um, they were a bit disappointing. Uh, Kenny, do you have any... Words of consolation for the Cowboys. Our friend of the yeah, podcast, Jake think, Clifford, was in the other week. He
2: had a great game. Um, I I thought that maybe the score really did not make like the score. The Cowboys weren't as bad as the score makes it makes it out that they were. I thought they um, it was a build, a bulldogs like uh, effort in that they they seemed to always be there and always trying, but they had some rotten luck with a lot of things. Like there was, this is a game that just seemed to go all Parramatta's way. And I'm not saying that Parramatta don't deserve that because they were clearly the better team. But there were some Sometimes, you know, some games it just doesn't work for you. I, mean, I felt this was one of those games for the Cowboys because there was, there was effort there. Although there, there was some, you know, a couple of players in the Cowboys probably should be called out for um, defensive lapses. I thought Isan um, Masters was particularly unimpressive defense-wise. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it, was, it was a Parramatta party. You, you, sometimes you just can't compete with that.
0: Yeah, I felt a bit for Kyle Felt because he was, he's the guy on all the highlight reels clutching at thin air for Mike Acevo's four tries but the damage was done inside of him It was not I don't think a lot of it was Kyle Felt's fault even though he's probably the, the guy that you're going to see in the highlight reels you know, We've got to talk about the other two games so I rattled off the M boats which was three points of course to the 100 game man Clint Gutherson for his millions of metres and busts and try assists um, Two points actually went to Mike Acevo who scored four tries um, I'm not sure I would have even had SIBO Sebo in my top three, only because um, Dylan Brown, who got the one point, and Junior Paulo, who didn't get any, was so amazingly impressive in this game that I thought um, I couldn't even squeeze Sebo into my top three. Anyway, Gutho, Sebo, and Brown for the Delhi M-Boats. Let's talk about Canberra and the Dragons. Um, Kenny, I'll start with you. I didn't see a lot of this one because I was en route to Bankwest at the time. Looks like um, Dragons launched a bit of a fight back, but it fell kind of short.
2: I thought this was probably the closest. Remember um, when Canberra played Melbourne? I think in round three or four, we were all like, "Wow, how Canberra's back! How good is this?" And then that that team sort of disappeared. This was a, a taste of that team. I felt that 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 switched on Canberra. They were definitely still went up to their grand final best, but it was a, a step in the right direction. George Williams, I thought, was really, really—he like, had a, just a, a great game back on that like. Um, there was one try he scored where he just, you know, he just ran through like lazy St. George defence and that was just like just cracking rugby league. I really liked it. Um, I thought uh, it was 18-0 at half time. I think the Raiders probably, I was expecting them to potentially go into cruise control and, and maybe um, let the Dragons creep back in. But I mean, it wasn't it definitely, with all the other outstanding games that sat around that it wasn't matching the round by any means, but I thought it was a good step in the right direction for the
0: Raiders. Area, what did you, I don't know, were you, too distracted by the impending Eels game to, to watch this one. Do you have any thoughts?
1: I saw a little bits and pieces. I thought it was a good comeback from the Dragons, but I think both teams need work. The Raiders certainly need to do a lot more work if they're going to be grand finals like they were last year. And the Dragons certainly need a lot more work if they're even going to be close to the top eight.
0: Yeah, Raiders i have been a bit worried about. They were so good against Melbourne right after the resumption and just been not quite clicking, um, you know, Ricky Stewart's lost uh, patience with Curtis Scott, who seems to be down on confidence. Michael Oldfield came in, um, had a few changes in the forward pack. Corey Horsburgh, unfortunately, injured. Uh, Ryan Sutton, I thought, had probably his best game for the club. Um, C.S. Soliola, unfortunately, a really nasty facial fracture. Could be out for most or all of the year um, alongside Horsburgh, which is a blow for them. They're starting to lose a few forwards, which is never a good sign. But um, a win's a win. They're currently in sixth. and and. You know, as long as they're sort of there and thereabouts, they've got time to um, to fix it. The Dalian votes for this one. George Williams, who he mentioned as being outstanding, uh, got the three votes. No surprises there. Cameron McInnes got the two. I'm pretty happy with that because he, um, he was good at hooker and then he's moved to lock as he's been doing. He was just busy, um, you know, constantly sort of providing a threat. He's, you know, been Dragon's best player all year. Um Maybe a bit of a surprise to see you and Aitken, two players from the um, the losing team, get votes. But Aitken was actually incredibly busy in this one. 250 or 260 metres or something um, really gave it his all. So those are the deli votes for that one, which takes us through to what I think and probably most of us would say is the match of the round. The Storm and the Roosters, an absolute highlight uh, real for rugby league a great advertisement for the game the last 10 or 15 minutes was one of those ones where you're just constantly on the edge of your seat if not falling off it. Uh, Mary what do you remember from this one?
1: With a lot of thoughts about this game CK I'm slightly annoyed at the Roosters because I think they bottled it they made a lot of defensive errors they made a lot of mistakes in this game and I was so impressed with how well they were holding the storm out for most of this game And considering the outs, I mean, Victor Radley is a big out for them. He has a massive impact on their attacking structure. So I thought they were doing so well, but then is there anything more Melbourne than them coming back in the way that they did? It was just such a resilient team and that final 15 minutes was incredible. I remember um, the field goal that we had and just reflecting on how things seem to go the Storm's way and potentially it's because they're such a good team. We had the short kickoff. They managed to get the ball back off the short kickoff, And then you see Ryan Pappenhausen kick, kick a field goal on his first attempt. I mean, yeah. it's just that was Parramatta. Like, we would have kicked the ball out on the full or <laughs> punched the wrong player. They're just such a professional team. And it was a great game. Much would have been lit up that night. Our...
0: Yeah, he's a confident kid, Ryan Pappenhausen, but like you said, you don't see Roosters cough up a a a 10-point lead uh, late in the game too often. And even being up by one point with, what was it, a, a minute or two to go to then have to go to Golden Point after that field goal was pretty amazing. Kenny, you would have been enjoying every second of this one?
2: Yeah, this was like one for the punters, right? Like, if you don't have any emotional investment in it, this was just a dream ride of rugby league perfection. I did not want it to end. I was having so much fun. The only poor, the only um, downside was it was a Thursday night, so you had to go to work the next day. I was, a bit, you know, I was all razzed up from the excitement. It was, I was awake till um, two a.m. We're living, uh, going through the highlight reel. Um, I uh, yeah, I thought, Mary, you made made a really good point about uh, what this says about both teams and I think it it probably again, like we've been gushing about the Roosters all year and how far ahead of the competition they are. The fact that they probably they could have, almost should have won this game and they're still missing um like, you know, a couple of incredibly important players. And Melbourne, you know, the like greatest team of the last decade, arguably, um, only just beat them and was somewhat lucky in doing that. Just says how far ahead how good I suppose that a team, the Roosters, are, and how, how well um, drilled they are. A couple of the mistakes they made were unlucky. I think um, there was a crucial knock on by Boyd Cordner, and I think that's because he was uh, like unconscious at the time. He, he basically looked like he was had had jelly legs. Um, so uh, yeah, not much can do like that. But it was a it was an amazing amazing game. And what about those Morris twins, CK? Another
1: uh,
2: another chapter in your book of love.
0: I'll just say it every week. I love them. They should never be allowed to retire.
2: They were they were truly um, again they were a spectators' dream. They they put on some epic players that are great to watch.
0: What a season they are having! Um, Dali M boats for this one. There were probably at least ten candidates for points. Man of the match was uh, Jerome Hughes. Probably no surprises there. He was absolutely everywhere. Scored two tries. He was you know running, passing, kicking, full bag of tricks. He was he just seemed to be everywhere all night. Um, Brett Morris. Got the uh, got the two. He had a, a massive game as well. A um, little bit surprised that James Tedesco didn't pull any votes, but was with the two and Cameron Smith uh, playing in the halves, playing at hooker, playing everywhere. Um, the old season pro got the one point. Um, that leaves uh, the Roosters in fifth and the Storm in third. So um, ladder starting to take shape with the um, the the wheat and the chaff starting to separate. Um, Mary Kenny, it's just about all we've got time for any final thoughts before I wrap this baby up.
1: Just wanted to say thanks for having me and also how nice it was to see fans back in the stadiums this weekend. And I wasn't actually at the Eagles game, but from all reports at all games over the weekend, people were really well behaved, respected social distancing. So I'm really happy for the fans to be back in stadiums. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: I'm with you. Uh, great, to be, great to be a fan back in the stands and I'll see you all there next week.
0: Great science. Thanks for joining us for the Sunday session. We'll be back the same time next week.